Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is DTC Growth Hacking with Rob McGray. Brought to you by Field Test. Advertising Simplified. My name is Rob McGray, and this is DTC Growth Hacking presented by Field Test, a podcast dedicated to the new language of marketing that is referred to as the DTC movement, which stands for direct to consumer. This week, we're spending time with my friend Cece Boyce. She's a second generation woodworker who is currently what I would describe as the maker talk of the town and the creator of the plantern, which are these beautiful handcrafted urns that can hold a pet or a person's remains. These urns are pure works of art. And by the way, uh, full disclosure, we have one at the house and they really clash your place up while helping to make the memory of the passing of a loved one less painful. It's a really great way to honor their memory. So, before we start, I just throw it out there. Um, if, you're, if you're kind of on the fence, if you want to listen to this or not, you absolutely should. Cece is a one-woman army, and she has put in the work to not only become a master woodworker, but out of necessity has also have, uh, had to master DTC marketing, which is no small feat. So if you're a small business owner struggling with the world of internet advertising, this one is absolutely for you because there is hope. And even if you're not interested in advertising at all, CeCe's story is guaranteed to blow you away. Um, on the planterns, I just want to say um, for everyone out there who has a pet, uh, you know, if you haven't, you're going to experience the death of a pet. And um, if you have already, you know, it, it, it's like, it's horrible. And and one of the reasons I, I love what CeCe's doing, um, especially around this product, is that the absolute last thing you need in as you go through this is um, just this crappy generic generic kind of vessel to, to hold the ashes of of a being that was so important and and, and such a big part of your life. So, uh, you know, without further ado, Cece, hi, hi, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, and and I just want to start with a big heartfelt congratulations, um, listeners. If, if you're not in the L.A. area and you don't read the L.A. Times, you wouldn't know this. But but last Saturday, CC was featured in this massive and I do mean massive expose. And uh, I'm going to put a link in the in the episodes notes to it. But but I have to say and, and I keep saying massive because I heard about it was coming and I had no idea what a big deal it was going to be. It's huge. Yeah, it was really, I even, I knew it was going to be like the cover of the Saturday edition and I knew it was going to be an expose, but I didn't even know it was going to be so huge. I went to go pick it up at 7-Eleven and burst into tears. Uh, it was kind of <laughs> nuts. And actually, even if you're not in the Los Angeles area, um, it got picked up by other outlets. I, I got a, oh. I got an email from my cousin who was in Dayton, Ohio, and he was having breakfast with his mother-in-law and opened up the paper and there I was. And then I just got a message from somebody in Idaho today on Facebook. They said, oh, it was in the Idaho Times or whatever the Idaho paper is. So, yeah, it got picked up by other outlets, too. It's been really 
I'm just, I'm so grateful. And Lisa Boone just wrote a, a tremendous, beautifully written article and um, the pictures were amazing as well. So I'm really so grateful. I, I found myself, uh, you know, name dropping and, and <laughs> because every time you know, people are always like, well, what's, what's the podcast about? Who's on the podcast? And, and for the last week I've been telling everybody, um, oh, this, you know, the next one's with Cece and I'm interviewing her and they're like, oh my God, did you see that thing in the LA times? And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, that's her. That's her. I actually know her. Um, but uh, <laughs> you know, but it, 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 it's working. It, it's working. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Talk about uh, DTC marketing. I mean, it is, um, this has been the most successful part of my marketing and, uh, you know, advertising, you know, Google ads, Facebook ads, stuff like that are great. And they did help my business a lot, but there is something to be said for somebody just getting, I don't know, not encouragement, that's not the right word, but just getting some agreement from a big publication that's kind of telling you like, okay, this is legit. So, you know, you see an ad and you think, oh, okay, this is cool, but it might be a smaller website like mine. I do have reviews on there, but you have something like the LA Times standing behind it and you think, oh, okay, this is legit. And so, yeah, my orders have really skyrocketed. Yeah. It kind of feels like, uh, in a, in a, in a strange parallel, um, you know, if you're doing like a web series or something and you could get like millions of views and it's incredibly popular, but then you do a movie. And even though like nobody goes to see it, you're like, oh my God, but I was in a movie. Right. right. I was in a feature. Yeah. yeah. It was at the right. theater. You it was know? at the and theater. I, you could go see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, but I feel like it's kind of the same thing. These, these, these things that we grew up with as, as massive validators um, and, and they're validators for a reason. Like the, the reach of the LA times is, is massive, you know, mm-hmm. and, and lends a, a different type of credibility than, than the type of advertising that we typically think of as advertising, you know, right. or marketing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I, I want to take, I want to take a couple steps back uh, because you're, what I love about kind of your journey, you know, as, as a professional a woodworker is that, you know, it, it's been surrounded with this kind of, um, self-education of, of how to market. And, and I, I, I mean, and just again, disclosure, I, I've known CC for a while. You know, I, I remember having conversations, you know, I don't know how many years ago and half the conversation was about the woodworking. The other half was about like how to make it popular and how to get people to see it. And so I know that this has been top of mind for you for a long time. So just like, how does that, how did it all kind of start to come together? These kind of two worlds. So it really started at the beginning of the pandemic, because before the pandemic, I was splitting my time and my energy between restaurant work and the shop, the woodworking shop, and, you know, and trying to figure out my you know, website and updating my photos and everything like that. Um, but of course, at the beginning of the pandemic, I got laid off of my job. So I didn't have a choice, but to make at, at least in my mind, but to make the plan turns work. And so I, I wasn't able to access my workshop for probably the first month of shutdown, like about from like March 15th um, to about like mid-April. And so during that time, I was like, well, I'm just going to learn SEO and figure what that's all about. Because you could pay somebody a lot of money to do your SEO, but you really don't know 
if it's working or not. And you don't know if what they're doing is, is legit or not. And so I just took that time that I was home and learned about SEO and did as much as I could on my own. And that did increase um, traffic a little bit, but not enough. And so when I got, you know, some stimulus money and a little bit of unemployment, I decided, you know, it's now or never. So I, we're, at the, we're in a pandemic. These are cremation urns that I've been making for a couple of years. I've really perfected what they are and what they look like and how to make them. It's, it's now or never. So it, instead of, you know, socking that money away, I just spent it on ads and, and marketing. And I, I, I started with, I paid a company to do my Google ads for me because I really had no idea what I was doing in, in terms of, of those ads. So I really needed an expert. And then that's when the real marketing started. Yeah. You know, it's such a, a entrepreneurial kind of move to take, um, you know, essentially the, the money that's being provided to, to make sure that, you know, you can eat and, uh, <laughs> and, and go out and buy ads. Yeah. And buy ads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But I, I think, I think, but I, but it sounds like you, right. It sounds, it sounds exactly like something you would do. And, uh, yeah. You know, so so I'm not surprised. Um, I know also that that you've dabbled in the world of Kickstarter and and literally like kickstarted a lot of this with a Kickstarter. We've never really dove into Kickstarter too much on on the show yet. So can you just tell me like like what was that experience like? Like was it hard? Did it work? You know, how did it happen? The Kickstarter was at the beginning of all of this. I, I I started making the plan turns on accident. They were uh, I made a custom one of these for somebody, and when I put it on Instagram, it got a lot of attention. And so when I did some research, I'm like, oh, this doesn't exist. Okay, and so I did about a year of research and development and proto- prototyping. But I found during that time that I needed better equipment in order to make these kind of not mass produced because they're obviously not mass produced, but in order to make these in a more efficient manner, I needed better equipment. I needed more equipment. And so I needed a chunk of change in order to do that. So I turned to Kickstarter to raise that money because I didn't want to get investors. I didn't want to be beholden to anybody. And I had done a Kickstarter, a successful Kickstarter before, but this was years after I had done the original Kickstarter and Kickstarter really had changed in that time. Now everybody has money to pay somebody to professionally make their video for their Kickstarter, their introductory video. A lot of people now who have, who have a, a, a product that they want to bring to market, they already have a lot of money behind it. And they're spending a shit ton of money on their Kickstarter in order to raise, you know, millions of dollars. I was not, in that boat, let's say. And, um, and also I found that blogs were not just looking for content anymore. If they want, you know, it used to be that you could contact a blog and say, Hey, I've got this cool Kickstarter. Maybe you can put this up on your site. They would reply to me with, here's our media kit, 750 bucks, a thousand bucks, you know, just to put it on their blog. And I wasn't prepared for that at all. And so I, I did scrounge up, you know, some money to do like little tiny features here and there. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And luckily the Kickstarter was successful. I raised $10,000, which is what I needed to, to get the, 
machinery that I needed, but I mean, by the skin of my teeth, I made the $10,000. It was, it was, it was difficult. So I, yeah, Kickstarter has gone the way of, I don't know, like, you know, it used to be like eBay was super cool. You could really just go shopping and it was really people just selling stuff from their garage. And now it's like everyone has a store and they're, you know, they're reselling and all of this stuff. And it kind of got ruined. And like a, a Kickstarter used to be kind of really grassroots. And now it, at least in my experience, the last time it, it's not really grassroots anymore. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, I mean, it seems to happen with everything, but it's tragic because this thing that was designed to, you know, basically let anyone um, with a good idea for a product uh, get some backers and get people excited about it. You know, you know, now now all of a sudden it's a job to run somebody's Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's yeah. whole agencies dedicated to that. Yes. And, you know, it's crazy. So it's like, it's oh, nuts. I want to have a Kickstarter. Well, yeah, write us a check for 10 grand and we'll, we'll make <laughs> you some videos and we'll we'll, right. we'll do SEO on your Kickstarter campaign and get it posted yeah. on a couple of blogs. And you're like, wait, I only want $10,000. Yeah. If I had $10,000, I wouldn't need you. <laughs> right. So <laughs> come on. Come on, guys. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. You know, yeah. you know um, I, I feel like, like DTC is so many different things to so many different people. But, you know, the, the thing that I always go back to is that there's this really special relationship between the, the maker of a product and, and especially in your case, because you, you are literally making these, you're, you're sourcing the wood yourself, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're touching these, you're, I mean, they're, they're in, they're, 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 they're with you for so long before they go to the customer. Um, mm-hmm. that DTC is, can be a very personal kind of experience. And, and I'm wondering, like, what is that experience like for you as the creator of, you know, these urns and, and, and how close do you get to them? And do you, you know, kind of wonder where they're going or where are they sitting or who's going to, who has this, you know, cause they're yeah. kind of this weird extension of you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially with what I make and the emotion that is connected to these, I'm even more involved. And that I think has lent itself to the success of these is because I do take it so personally. It is so hands-on. I am, yeah, they take hours to make. And I do wonder where, where they're going and people do let me know. They give, they send me pictures. Um, I get a lot of emails afterwards from people, which is so heartening. Um, but to, it was fantastic for me during the pandemic because I live by myself. I work by myself. So to have these conversations with people, either emails with people, zoom calls with people talking about their urns and kind of showing them in real life. It's, it's, it's much easier to show somebody and, and the, the wood that I have or what, what the choices are than, you know, 25 emails back and forth. So yeah. something that, it, that maybe not everybody does, like not everybody has a Zoom call with a bunch of their customers. To me, it actually expedited things. It might, it might, that might bog down somebody else who, who's making something else. But for me, that expedited the process. So that was really gratifying to be able to connect with people during the pandemic, know that I was helping people. Um, you know, cause we all, you know, we all felt so helpless. We all felt yeah. so disconnected. And so it was really, yeah, I, I loved what I, I, and I still love what a personal experience it is to, to talk to people and to make something especially for them. 
CC, would, would, would these people, would they tell you their stories, like, of, of who the Orns were for? Like, yes. you'd, you'd really yeah. get to understand, like, who your customer was in a, in a, in a very direct way. Yes. Yeah. And, and not, not everybody shares their story with me, but the people who were asking for something custom or needing to talk to me, they absolutely did. And, um, I was very comfortable with that. I'm very comfortable with, with, um, sitting in that grief or allowing somebody that space to, um, to be vulnerable with me. And I, you know, I, I'm not uncomfortable with that at all. So I think that also was helpful to people that they could tell me who it was for, maybe how they died, um, where they were going to put it. You know, sometimes people buy more than one and they split the cremains amongst family members. So they were, you know, they would, I, I would get on calls with families, you know, and then they would, they would give me their, their input. You know, I'd have, I'd have, you know, a few, windows going at the same time. So yeah. So again, that lends itself to the personal nature of it too. Cause I, while I'm making it, I know exactly where it's going. I know exactly who it's going to. And, you know, I do think of them as I, as I make the urns. Yeah. I, I hadn't really, uh, fully absorbed that part of it. Um, you know, and I, 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 I wonder, you know, through that process, if, if, you know, the, the folks who are grieving, um, if it's bringing them some peace, because in a way they're, they're create, they're, they're collaborating on this, on this, uh, vessel, you know, with you for their loved ones. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, that's who it's for. Right. And, right. and I think in, in your mind, and I know that the one that we have at home, um, you know, we feel like, like it was a really nice, thing to do for the, for the pets and like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's right there on the mantle and it's, and it's beautiful. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, and, and for listeners, if you, if you haven't seen these already, you'll see there's a place where something like an air plant could go and, you know, and this idea of life, you know, um, that's represented through it as well, which is really magical and special. And I know it's, it's such a simple thing, but it, but it works so well. Um, I think, I, I really think that you've, you've got your unicorn, um, with this. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. 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 I, I, I definitely think it is my niche for sure. I think, you know, I, I, I do have a, a past of a, a lot of loss in my, in family and friends. I've had a lot of people pass away. I don't think that's why I make these, but I do think I am well suited to make these because I'm comfortable with, with death and I, and I've gone through it. I know what happens afterwards and I know, you know, whatever the, the complications that can arrive and the family rifts and, and the, the all of this stuff that you have to take care of after I, my part of it is going to be easy for you. Like the part, you know, finding the earned, finding something you like, I'm going to make that easy. So then you have, you can worry about, whatever it is with your brother or your aunt or the will or whatever. Like my part is, is, is simple. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be well-made and it's going to get to you. Cece, I know that, that sustainability um, and the environment are, are very important to you. Can, can you explain like, you know, just real quick for those people who don't know, what is rescued wood? 
So, so rescued is different than reclaimed. Rescued wood is um, also called like urban lumber. So these are trees that have been somewhere in the city or, or in the vicinity of Los Angeles, and either they've um, fallen down in a storm, maybe they got sick, they need to be uh, removed. Um, there is a site that's going to be demolished. And, and so instead of the trees um, getting into the chipper and going into the landfill, this company I work with um, takes the trees cuts them, dries them, and sells them to woodworkers and or or any or hobbyists so that they don't end up in the landfill. And I end up getting some really special wood that's local and that also maybe I wouldn't have access to before. Because I have another lumber yard that deals with kind of traditional, like the walnut, the oak, cherry, and all of that is FSC certified. So that's also sustainable. But with the local lumber yard, I can um, get something that may, maybe I have it in short supply and I make a limited edition, but it's also, you know, something super special and, and to work with. And also gives me a little something different to do. You know, maybe I can make something a little different. So, um, yeah, so that's all really, that's important to me. Everything is, um, everything in there is, uh, made the little, um, muslin bags that I include with the urns. Those are handmade in Colorado. I ride my bike every day to work. I don't drive, you know, that's even still, you know, that's sustainable. Yeah. So that's really, yeah, it's all very important to me. And I do yeah, as, I, as, as use local as much as I can. I had, I, I, this silly slogan came into my head. It was, uh, you know, not only are they, are they made in LA, they're made from LA. Um, yeah. Wood, yeah. You know, super true. Yeah. The wood yep. being a part of the community. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned that you, um, uh, you know, you brought in you brought in some help when you started to to look at at Google as an advertising platform. Um, mm-hmm. Was was what was it like to bring in expertise? Like what take, take, what was that process like? Well, dropping that amount of cash right away was <laughs> scary, and um, I had never spent that money like that before, and so it was like. This better work because yeah. if not, like, I don't know what to do, but then also it is a relief because I don't know what I'm doing in that realm. I don't know how to do a B testing. I had tried to do Google ads before, but I'm just, you know, f- I was flailing and it wasn't really getting me anywhere. So at least with somebody who, who has experience in this and can guide you through looking at the stats and looking the, at the analytics it's a relief and it, it did feel like, oh, okay, finally I do have some help because it was me the whole time just doing everything. So having somebody take a little bit of the load off was really nice. And especially like, you know, finding somebody who actually knew what they were doing and weren't, you know, scammers that, yeah. so that was, and, and then when my sales went up, then also that was a relief of, okay, all right, I'm on the right track here. How, how long did that take before you started to see so, like a return on the amount you were spending on, you know, I'd say one month, services? one month, one month. One month. Mm-hmm. So that's fast. Wow. It was fast. Yeah. It was fast. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's kind of what I always thought about the, the earns. And if you, you know, if you do have a good idea, it just, you just need people that you just need eyeballs, you know? And, and that's kind of like going back to the LA times article, the same thing. This is just more eyeballs. And so now people are like, so, you know, when people would, when I would show these to people, they'd say, Oh wow, what a great idea. Or these are beautiful. And 
so I knew I was on the right track, but then it's just a matter of getting those eyeballs on there. So if you have a good idea and something you believe in and something that's going to be useful, then advertising is not, a, it, it is a good investment because that's what you need is more eyeballs to see it. And then that leads to uh, purchases. Did, did, did your, um, did your, did your partner partners on this? Did they did they spend any time working on the brand, or is the brand a hundred percent CC? The brand was me. I did have um, a friend of mine that was who's a graphic designer. She did my logo, um, and that has been is very timeless. She did a fantastic job, and um, so I've kept that. And then the as far as like the photos and um, things like that, I had a, a friend of mine who um, is a photographer. And a floral stylist, he helped me style like the the photos and stuff like that. And um, I also had a really beautiful house that I've shot all of a lot of my all my pictures in C two. So those um, so those turned out really well. But it was it was me guiding the the direction, you know. I, so I did have people helping me in the in the part that I couldn't do, like you know, the taking the photos. I'm not a, I'm not an expert in taking photos. Um, but so, you know, they helped me with that. So, but in the direction of where I was going, there was, it was me. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, I I always, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I feel like a lot of the, the branding that you did, um, I'm, my guess was always it happened kind of organically that, you know, um, I, I know that we're, you know, at least in my world, um, we're told to spend a lot of time developing brand and doing a lot of brand workshops and, you know, 
things like that. But out in out in the real world, like people don't have time for that. They have to <laughs> they have to get things moving, and 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 they do the best they can, and they they tweak over time. And if they're lucky, yes. you know, they they can leverage some some resources to help them out. Do you think that there'll come a time where you'll kind of revisit the brand and you know, like if, 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 you know, if, if, if yeah, I was saying, if somebody drove up with a truckload of money today to, you know, would, would you, would you reinvest in the brand and, and do some of that, that process? Or are you pretty happy with where you are right now? That's a good question. I'm pretty happy with where it is now. I might, I think, I think you're really, you're right when you, when you said it just gets tweaked over time. And so if I want to make some changes in like the photos or like the, um, the design of, of, of my, of my website, you know, may, maybe I would have someone look at my website and do some improvements on, on that. Cause I did the website all by myself too. So, um, but I, I'm pretty happy in, in, with where it is, but I think, yeah, it gets tweaked over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you see where, where are you selling these primarily, uh, on your own site? Like yes. 100%? 100%. I, and I know we've talked a little bit about Amazon in the in the past. My one of the fears I have um, as a as a as a friend and a fan of what you're doing is you know, I've I've seen a lot of people, you know, move to Amazon. I've seen copycatters pop up. Um, I know we talked a little bit about patent law and what people should patent and what people shouldn't. And does it even make sense when not everybody mm-hmm. even, you know, cares. And, um, and I don't want to call out the Chinese specifically because I'm, you know, but, but it, it everyone kind of knows that, that, you know, that's where a lot of these companies are. Do you worry about a copycatter popping up um, on Amazon or somewhere else and just, you know, trying to mass produce these and make them look like, you know, like you made them even though they're made mm-hmm. somewhere else? Oh, sure. That's all. That's always a, a worry when you design something. And, and I did look into patenting these, but you know, in the design world, you can change something. I don't know. I think it's like 10% or 12% and then they can just call it their own. You know, I, I yeah. have a friend who used to, was the, was the uh, main guy in a, with a, a furniture company and they, they had their chairs done in China and the same factory that made their chairs made the knockoffs. So it kind of seems inevitable. So yes, you worry about that, but you also think, well, this is probably inevitable. And look, I, I, I think that the cremation urn has not seen a lot of improvement in a long time. So I would love for other people to come up with other ideas and, and, and make more beautiful cremation urns. I, I don't want them to copy mine, but I would love to see other ideas from, from people maybe using, um, you know, glass or, or ceramics or, or even wood, but like a different design. So, and ultimately I can't really worry about somebody copying them. I, they take so long to make. I don't really think that you could mass produce these. I, I mean, at least not the quality that they're being produced in my shop. Um, and that's not going to change. I, I have hired people to help me with like the milling and the sanding, but the artistic part, the part of, uh, of it, the custom part is still all me. And I'm not going to, I'm not farming these out to anybody ever. But so, yeah, of course, I, I think there's probably going to be somebody copy canning them if they think they can make money off of it. 
Um, but you know, they're not that expensive. And so if you, even if you wanted to, you know, wholesale them to a funeral home, you know, the most that they'd be making off of them is $250 a pop and the funeral homes are making like 15 grand off caskets and vaults. So, you know, it might not even be worth their time to mass produce these. They might not be, they might not make any money off of it. So, I mean, yeah, we'll see. I was, I was, uh, I was just thinking, um, about that scene in the Big Lebowski. I don't know if you remember it, but uh, <laughs> of course, do, do, when, when they want, them, when they want, they, you know, after Donnie passes away, and they, they you mm-hmm. know, they're at the funeral home, and and you know, they want Lebowski and Walter to buy the vessel, and right. it's this like is our most grand. moderately priced receptacle. <laughs> He yeah, keeps yeah. repeating. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. is our most moderately parsed. Yeah. And he, and then, you know, they end up with and then the next scene cut, you know, smash cut to Folgers can. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah so but, but it's true. It's true. Right. It's like, I, I there's, you know, the, it's, it's definitely a, a stagnant market. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I don't want to bag on, on funeral homes. Um, I just think it's so funny because yeah. it's real. It's real. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. 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 And that's partly why I don't, um, wholesale with, with, with funeral homes, or I do work with a couple of small crematories, like, and, um, there's an aquamation studio I work with in, in, in Seattle who have believed in my urns from the beginning. So I'll continue to work with them, but there's a reason that, you know, big cemeteries or crematories, um, won't, I, I won't carry with them because they, they would need me to make so many, for them to make money that it's not possible to keep the quality that I make them at now. So, and I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to farm these out. I'm not going to um, let the quality go down. So the, they wouldn't make any money on these for me anyways. So. Do you, do you think there's a world where, you know, Boyce studio takes on and I'm, I'm making this up, but I wanted to ask like, you know, a, 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 you know, two or three apprentices, and, you know, you kind of turn it into the, the Warhol kind of what Jeff Koons model, <laughs> right? Where you're just kind of overseeing everyone kind of doing it. But, you know, you, you know, and you, but you, but you basically, you're able to scale production up um, because sure. you have these helpers, but, but that you, that you control. Yeah. I, I've actually thought about that when I become too old and arthritic to do this anymore, that I'm going to have to pass it on to somebody. Um, but it would take a long time because I, di- I haven't counted the steps on how many steps it takes to make these, but it's a lot of steps and they're all in just in my brain. And so, and there's so many things that can, that can go wrong when you're, when you're making them. And then I've, you know, figured out over the last three years, like, okay, if I, if I sand this too much and the, this is showing, then I have to do this and then I have to do this. So in order to teach somebody to have an apprentice who would want to, who would want to make these, it would take, a, I don't know, at least a year to, to teach them like how I make them and how I pick things out and how I place the templates onto the wood to make it work. So yeah, I think when it, I could, um, am I going to do that right now? No, I like cause that's part of it for me. I, I, I love making them and that it's my, it's a creative outlet. It's, um, making something and having a finished product is a very, um, fulfilling feeling, you know, just the sense of accomplishment that you get, you know, when you're putting that finish on and you and it turned out great. So, you know, I'm not going to, I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to be, um, 
you know, just in my office barking orders or, you know, you know, and while everybody else is doing the work, like I'm, I'm in it. Yeah. I'm in it. So you see how, how much is, uh, you know, the, the ability to, you know, spin up the shop, um, in downtown LA, uh, and I don't know the economics around that, but but like has that has that played a big role in your ability to 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 have this business and to have the success, the the availability of you know um, space and 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 resources. Yes, one hundred percent. That's why I still um, live downtown because I want to be close to where I want to be biking distance to work. Um, everything is my my lumber yards are really close to me. Um, other things that I need, my, my shipping places are biking distance. Most of, most of what I need, you know, the, the, the place where I get my equipment and my tools is very close in Glendale. So yeah, I think I, I've thought about like, Oh, maybe I could move somewhere like in middle America and, you know, buy a house and get something cheaper, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have access to what I have access here. And also like the area that I'm in is, you know, it's right across from Santee Alley. It's a really energetic place. And so it really keeps your energy going. I, I work in a really great um, industrial building. It's mostly apparel, apparel manufacturing, but there's other artists who work in the building as well. We have a wonderful landlord who takes care of the building. Everything's up to code. There's sprinklers. I don't worry about, um, you know, dodgy people in the building doing something. So yeah, I'll, I'll never probably leave that space. I'll die in that space <laughs> probably, wow. you know, yeah. and, and, uh, cause I just, I have it so good there and, and I, I'm so well taken care of there and it's a, it's a, and it's beautiful space, beautiful light. So I'm really lucky to have found that space and I love living in downtown and being able just to bike everywhere and get what I need on my bike, basically, except for the lumber. You know, I, d- I have to have my little truck for the lumber, but my bike is everything else. Yeah. Do you, do you think it was, uh, has it been important to kind of have that, that, uh, division? Um, and, and maybe there is no division, but that kind of division of, you know, work life where, you know, you've got your shop, that's where you do your work. I, 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 I have never asked you this. Like, do you, I don't know mm-hmm. if you do your marketing work efforts while you're at the shop or if you come home or if home is the sanctuary, like what have you discovered about, about the dynamic of having these two different, you know, places that you can go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People have said to me like, why don't you just get a house where you can like do all of this stuff? I'm like, Oh, cause I would never do it. I would be, I would be on the couch and I'd be like, oh yeah, I'll go in the shop in a half hour. And then I'd be on Twitter for a half hour. And then like, you know, and then, oh, I'll go in 15 minutes and then 15 minutes later, you know, I'm on, I'm I'm shopping somewhere, you know, so I would never do it. So having that space and somewhere that I have to physically go, um, but that's not far. Like if it were, you know, if I had to go somewhere that was an hour away, that would be a real big bummer because now I can also like, if I forget something, I can just dip back home and, and grab it. Or if I forget something at the shop, I can, you know, run there real fast and, and get there. So it's very important to have that division. Also to have a space where I'm not afraid to make noise. My, my machines are really noisy. So if I were in, you know, like, a garage or something, you know, like I, my neighbors would absolutely hate me. So it's really important. Um, most of like my email and stuff I do probably like while I'm having my lunch, like that's when I'm like replying to people. I do email sometimes when I'm like having my coffee in the morning. Um, but I try, I try to do most everything at the shop. 
I have, I have a, I have a computer there that can get dirty. Um, I have my nice computer at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cause everything gets dirty in the wood shop, no matter how hard you try, everything is just, uh, covered in dust. So, um, yeah, very important to have somewhere to go to, to do that and be creative. And then, you know, you get there, you've got your coffee, you've got, you know, your, your water, boom, let's go, let's do it. Yeah. Do you have any words of wisdom for other makers who are, you know, maybe, you know, at, at, at uh, having less success right now or at a different stage of, of, you know, uh, of, of their journey? Um, you know, any, any, any wisdom that, 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 you, you know, you, you happened upon you at this, at this point? <laughs> I don't know if I have any wisdom, but, um, I think it, it get off Instagram. Like, you know, I, I understand like posting on Instagram and showing your work and stuff like that, but it can also be for, for someone who's creative, it can also be a, a real, can I swear on this mind fuck? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you, because a, a lot of people, you know, like they'll, they'll do, you know, they'll do a lot of, um, a bunch of photos all at once. And then they let those, you know, then they release those photos over the next month or two, but to somebody else, it looks like they are working, 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 grinding, grinding, grinding. And so you feel like crap because you're like, you're not, you haven't done much today or you tried to do a lot today and nothing worked out, you know? And, and so that all of that stuff is not, I, I treat Instagram as like, this is my portfolio. So like if somebody wants to see what my earns look like, here they are. But that, you know, that's about it. I don't, it's, it's hard as a creative person not to compare yourself to other artists and other creative people. And I think sometimes social media can really, um, hurt you if you don't, if you, if you're not keeping the the right mindset around it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sucks, right? Because not only does it make us feel horrible about ourselves and how we look, um, (laughs) but you know, it also makes us feel like we're shitty at what we do and, you know, what's our career um, mm-hmm. because, you know, and, and again, this is me talking, but like, I'm going to say that what, you know, what's posted on Instagram is like, you know, maybe, a, you know, a 10th of a percent true. And, yes. Yeah. yeah and the yeah. rest, the rest is complete bullshit and illusion. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and we play this game, um, you know, trying to create the perception of success or the perception of, of how happy we are, or how awesome it is. And brands are doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and yet we all know too, like everybody knows it's bullshit. That's the thing. Yeah. So it's, you know, but then you do look at something and you feel like crap. So it's, it's, it's hard. So even if you do know, you're still feeling like crap. So that when I say get off Instagram, I don't mean don't be on Instagram. I'm saying like, take it off your phone, maybe, you know, or don't look at it as much and, and just, you know, and I do look at other artists stuff and, and, you know, my friends, there's a very, very robust uh, artist community in Los Angeles that is really wonderful. And I do look at their stuff and comment, you know, like I might seek them out and comment, but I don't do the scrolling anymore. I don't, I don't do that. I don't stop and, and scroll anymore because I'll stop what I'm doing and it, it, and it gets me out of my groove. And so I've, I've turned the note while I'm working. If I, if I have stuff to do, I, I turn off the notifications on my phone. I don't check emails. I don't check texts. Um, I'm just, cause it, it'll stop me in my tracks. And then all of a sudden I'm on my phone for a half hour. And now that's a half hour of, 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 of daylight that I've lost. Yeah. 
So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good advice. And it, it's simple, right? But it's true. Like, yeah, get a, you know, stop paying so much attention to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is the way Keep I'm your face in your that. own bowl. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So what's, what's next? Are you thinking about the next big product or are you just going to focus on, on, on making more of these beautiful things? Like, I, I don't know. How, how's your brain work when it comes to, yeah. to, to this type of thing? So now because I've had a, 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 an influx of orders, I, I, and I knew this was going to happen with the, with the, with the LA times, I didn't know to what degree, but I did have some people that I was interviewing in order to help me with the milling and sanding. So uh, they're getting installed um, this week, um, getting like everyone, I'm getting a, like a firm production schedule um, okay. established. So then I know exactly how many I can make in a week. I can set my uh, lead time accurately and then, and then get in that groove. I would love to come up with some more shapes and some more um, materials. But until I get everything dialed in with my new um, my new artisans, then um, I, I can't really do anything new because I, I, I I'm I, I feel like I'm beholden to the people who have ordered to like get them there, get yeah. them what they've ordered. So I don't. I I mean I would love. I don't know. I might do some like different kinds of urns or do some collabs with somebody, you know, with, with different materials. Um, but right now I'm just, I'm getting, I'm kind of, um, leveling up, I guess a little bit of, and, and, and a little bit at a time, I'm not going to, you know, start overdoing it. I'm just doing it little by little and little, little, little bites, little bites of improvement. I guess. I, I just had this, this, this relevant uh, kind of, epiphany i think um you're the brand it's you Mm -hmm. and you know i already knew this but but talking to you has solidified it even more um you're a real person and 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 and, no no but i mean beyond being like an actual person not a computer or artificial intelligence but you're very real and i think that what happens when people reach out and connect with you during this process is that they have that experience that I'm having right now, which is, Oh, CC is so like real and I'm not, and, and, and death is real. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? And yeah, I do. I do. And, and, and you've happened upon this. I'm not going to say happened. You've created this brand based on your own realness. I don't even think you had to think about it. It just kind of is you. And our conversation is, is just, it's you. And I'm mm-hmm. so, I'm so pleased that, that you're having this success and, and all these things are happening because this is the way it's supposed to work. Like this is, yeah. this is it. This is the promise, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like if you, if you work hard and you're genuine and you don't hurt people and you're passionate and you find what you love to do, things will work out. And, and, you know, and again, work hard is probably the key there because I know how hard you work and how much you sacrificed to be able to do this. But man, this, this is the story. This is, this is it. This is why they, they gave you so many pages in the LA times, (laughs) because I think people need to hear this, you know, they need to, they need to experience this. And I think it's going to give people not only hope if they're out there trying to do it, but for, for consumers to recognize that there are real people making great products that you can own 
and you can experience. Yeah. And so, Cece, thank you for being you. Um, Thanks, Rob. That, that's an amazing compliment. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and that's, uh, again, why I won't farm these out. I'm because I am such a, a part of it and I want to be a part of it. I don't, I don't, you know, it's not that I don't trust somebody to do this, but I, I want to do it. That's, it's, it's, it's part of the process. So yeah, thank you so much. Cece, how can people um, find out more? How can they get their order in? How, what's the best way to get in touch with you and find out more about the product? It's my website is boystudio.com. My Instagram is at boystudio. Um, and then there is, uh, you know, my email is all over the website. Everyone can email me. I answer emails right away. Um, I, I, I love answering questions from people. And there's a little away form on the, on the, uh, or sometimes I'm live, sometimes I do the live chat in the, in the morning. Like when I'm having my coffee, I turn the live chat on and I'll chat with uh -huh. people. So yeah, if you catch me in the morning, I'll be, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. CC, thank you so much. Um, you know, listeners, I, I just want to, I want to say this, um, CC's story is, is one of success, but it's important to know that not every story is about success. And, you know, the majority of, of DTC initiatives um, probably suffer from a lot of failure. And, uh, and that's okay. You know, I'm someone who's failed many more times than I've succeeded. And uh, it's just, it's, it's part of the journey. And one of the things that, that we're trying to do on this podcast is, is talk to great folks who can share, you know, both sides of that. Their, their successes, um, but also their hardships. And, you know, and, and again, falling back on the fact that, that it, at the end, it, it, it's about the work. Um, if you like this podcast and you want to hear more, it's super easy. Just press subscribe. The team at Field Test put a lot of time and energy into producing this. And the only ask we ever make of our audience is that if you dig it, let us know. And the best way to let us know is by subscribing. And uh, if you use Apple Podcasts, Give us a rating or maybe write us a review. This podcast is produced by Field Test. It's engineered by Gabrick Griebel. And it's hosted by me, Rob McGray. We'll catch you all next Tuesday. Thanks, CC. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me. This was a Field Test podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.